Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Well, it is Mother's Day. Um, and uh, with, it, with Mother's Day brings a lot of um, thoughts, feelings, you know, that kind of thing. I remember when I was a young mom and I had small kids, all I wanted was a nap. That was like the best Mother's Day gift I could get on Mother's Day was, yeah, was a, a good long nap. Um, and uh, so anyways, it's a lot of times it's a mixed bag for moms. If you'll talk to moms about Mother's Day, they don't all have a really glowing, wonderful Mother's Day experience. And so I think that's something for us to uh, strive for and work towards is to really appreciate the moms in our life and even the women in our life that represent mothers, you know, that don't have to be our biological moms, but just women that have been important and significant to you. It's a great time to just honor honor those women in your life and the role that they've played and that sort of thing. Uh, but being a little bit further away from young motherhood, I'm telling you now, all you young daddies out there, Really, really appreciate those mamas. Help her do the dishes today. You know, don't let her clean the house today. You know, help with the babies. It will, you will reap the benefits of it. I am telling you right now, you will reap the benefits of that. So, um, so I'm saying that as not as young of a mother as I used to be um, since my youngest is about to graduate from high school. So the nap is still really lovely, but it's not as desired <laughs> as it once was. Anybody agree Sundays are made for naps? Amen. All right. Can I get a witness? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so there's that. Um, you know, as I was preparing to share um, today, I was thinking that... Uh, I'm having a lot of thoughts in my head, as a matter of fact, but, um, but I was thinking that this is an interesting day because across the country in many, many churches, there are women standing behind the pulpit this morning. It's the one Sunday a year that the pastor's wife gets to minister, um, so I think that's really interesting. I was having a conversation about that earlier with a couple of people, and, uh, and our house is not like that. Um, because we co-pastor together, but I was praying for all those women standing up this morning and delivering the Word of God and, and thinking about them. And so anyway, as I got to thinking about Mother's Day and, um, and just honoring women in general, that this is a good day to do that. My mom is in heaven, so she's having a wonderful time. She is worshiping Jesus, and she's with my dad, and I and many, many, many other uh, family members of mine, my grandmother and my aunt and lots. I have lots of people there that are enjoying their time with Jesus, just as I'm sure that many of you um, have that as well. And so, uh, so I won't get to enjoy her here, but I know she's having a great time, and, uh, and I'm going to as well. My daughter, she uh, did this last year. We used to meet in our home, kind of, home slash barn, uh, for church, and so last Mother's Day, we would have still been there. It would have been one of our very last services because Pentecost Sunday was our first service in this building, so we've been in this building almost a year now, 
And so she printed all these pictures and just plastered my door, my bedroom door, with pictures. Um, and I have left it up all year because I have enjoyed looking at all of those memories. And, uh, you know, it's not, I don't know about you all, but it's not about the extravagance of what's done. It's sometimes just the thought, right? It really is the thought. It's not the big extravagant gift or the, but it's just the time that people put into things. And so um, I walked out of uh, my bedroom this morning and I have new pictures all over my door. So for another year, I get to enjoy new memories and new photos. And I did not take it down. I left it up all year. Some of them fell off, but you know, but they've been replenished with new memories and things that have happened over the last year. So anyway, so that's a really beautiful thing. So anyway, as I was thinking about this today, I was just thinking, you know, mamas, we just come in all shapes and sizes. There's just all kinds of us, you know. We've got young mamas and old mamas and big mamas and little mamas and short mamas and tall mamas and sweet mamas and mean mamas. Anybody have? Don't say anything. We love all our mamas. <laughs> And, uh, and as I was kind of rolling through all of the different kinds of mamas that we have around us and in our life, some of us can probably look at school teachers that were a mama to us. A Sunday school teacher. I have, um, I have a, uh, I just brought back a quick memory of me as a small child. I remember my first Sunday school teacher. We called her Granny. Everybody called her. And that's what our kids hear they, they also have a grandma that teaches in, in, uh, in our kids' ministry, our children's pastor. But I remember all of the Bible stories and the Bible lessons. And she was a wonderful woman that poured into my life and really helped build the foundation of my early years of Christianity and how grateful I am. And she was an old mama, but so grateful for her and for what she you know, poured into my life. I'm one of those really, really blessed people, and today I get to honor her. My mom, who I just talked about being in heaven, I had a wonderful mother. She was my natural mom. She was my spiritual mom. This is her brooch I'm wearing today so that I can have a piece of her with me. And uh, I um, watched her as a mighty woman of God be triumphant and victorious in many aspects. I saw her struggle with things that uh, were hard to deal with. But I watched her love people. I watched the way she opened her heart and her life to people and uh, never met a stranger. She just never met a stranger. She loved loving people, and they loved loving her in return. And I remember at her service the grace that God gave me uh, because um, she had battled for about seven years with sickness, the first seven years of Sophie's life, and uh, she's been gone for 11 years. And, um, and I remember that day, all the people that came in, and she was so missed because a light like that is so bright in a dark world, in a dark place. And she had a big, you knew when she was in the room, she had red hair and a big smile, and her voice was much bigger than mine. <laughs> And it was really easy for her daughter to just to kind of hide in her shadow a little bit. Um, and I found that a comfortable place. 
But I, I remember the grace that God gave me to be able to love on people at her service the way that she loved, would have loved on them. And I remember one of my friends who came in from out of town, and she came, you know, to be a comfort to me. And she was, just her presence here was a real comfort. And anybody that stops what they're doing to then be there for you is an amazing gift, is it not? And, uh, and she's a wonderful woman. She's not my mom, but it's that nurturing way about women that can bring that kind of love that uh, the character and the nature of God, that feminine nature of God that we get to project into the world is a beautiful thing and it's needed. And uh, I remember loving on her and consoling her and hugging her while we were at my mom's service. And she looked at me and she says, I'm supposed to be consoling you, you know. And I thought, you know, that's probably true. But it's amazing what grace can do. It's amazing what grace can do. It can really empower us to do more than we could have ever, to have the strength to stand in the face of things that we never thought that we could. But grace really does empower us to do those things. And so as I was looking through this list of all the different shapes and sizes of mamas, I couldn't help but just reminisce and look through Scripture to see some of these different women that represented some of these characteristics. And as I was thinking about young mamas, I couldn't help but think about Mary. She was so young. They said 13 or 14 years old. You know, she would have been Jesus' mom. She was so young, so young. And yet there she was, so willing to obey the will of the Father. She was just like, let it be. If this is your will, then let it be done. And here she has, she was going to carry the Messiah in her womb, inside of her body. She was a young mom. I think it's very interesting because as we get a little older, sometimes we get a little cynical. You know, we've experienced more life. And I don't know, the, the, the scrapes and bruises of our situations and the things that we've walked through just make it hard for us to be sensitive to the Spirit. You know, it just makes it difficult. But here was Mary, young and, um, and not yet even Mary, just betrothed to Joseph. And here she was going to carry the Messiah, that young mama. And so I can't help but honor her today. And there may be uh, those of you that came from young mamas. And you know the struggle that that can be as a young mother to be, have all the tools that you need to uh, to take care of that child and to understand the responsibility, it's, it's a lot. And so I got to thinking about um, old mamas. And I did a little bit of reading about some old mamas in the Bible. And I found Moses' mother, Jochebed. And there's an amazing story about her. We don't hear, she's not even mentioned in the passage of Scripture where she talks about being Moses' mother. But she was 130 years old. Yeah, <laughs> right? She was 100. Moses was her third child. She already had Aaron and Miriam. They had already, they were already a part of her life. And if you don't know a little bit of the backstory about Jochebed and her husband, Amram is his name. There, be, there came a decree from the Pharaoh that said that all Jewish boys that were born needed to be destroyed. And because of that, her husband 
was distraught. And he thought, I mean, in Genesis, it says to be fruitful and multiply. That's the assignment. And he thought, I don't even need a wife. Like, why do I even have a wife if I can't, if the fruit that I'm going to produce is going to be destroyed? And so history tells us that he divorced his wife. He divorced her. Isn't that something? It's what it says. And so some years passed and he came back to her. Because see, in Jewish customs, women would have had no rights. A husband could have divorced his wife, could have left her. But a woman didn't have the rights to do that. And so he left her, but he returned to her. And when he returned to her, it says that the youth returned to her as well. The youth of a young woman returned to her when they came back together. And she was able to get pregnant with Moses. And then Moses was born. But it's really interesting because Jochebed knew that if she had a son, that he would be destroyed. The midwives... The Jewish midwives had been told that they were to kill any of the male children, male babies that were born. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 2. <laughs> That's his favorite book of the Bible, just in case y'all wanted to know. I'm getting some brownie points up here. Either that or he'll correct me later. <laughs> I think this is the second time I've preached out of Exodus lately, so I should be racking up some points. Okay, so in chapter 2 of Exodus, it says, About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden there for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. That's the same thing that the ark was waterproofed with. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. That would be Miriam. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, Jochebed. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the, the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter in this History says that he was about seven when he returned. Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son, the princess, the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. So his Hebrew name would have been Tobiah or Tov. That would have been Moses' Hebrew name. And we all know him as Moses. 
And I think this is such an interesting Jochebed, being an old mama. Boy, she was full of wisdom. And she knew when that baby was born, there wasn't a way, there was not a chance that, that she was going to allow that child to be destroyed. And so as I looked back in, into history to find out more about her, and, you know, and we, we don't know because we weren't there, but based on the information that I could find, she probably would have given birth alone so that she could have hid the baby once it was born because she knew the decree that had been passed. And then it says that she hid that baby for three months. That's a long time to hide a newborn baby, to keep it quiet so that your neighbors wouldn't find out or that other people wouldn't know that that baby was, was there. And then to think, it doesn't say that her husband prepared the basket that was put into the Nile, but it says she prepared a basket for that baby. And I was reading about the process that she went through and, and how the process of her creating that waterproofing, that basket, what that would have been like, the time that it would have taken. I would think it's very likely that from the time that baby was born, she began to work on that basket. And she knew that she was going against the decree and the law of the land in order to keep this child alive. But she knew that the will of the father was that this child would live. And when it was born, she knew that there was something special about it. See, moms can recognize those things. We just know. We have a way of knowing those things about our children. And God begins to speak to us. He begins to show us how to raise those children, what direction to go with them, how to pray for them and intercede not just the mom, the dad does too, but today we get to honor the mamas. And so I recognize how significant the fathers are. We are in desperate need of fathers to arise and shine. Our culture needs them desperately. And in about a month, you're going to get to hear Wade preach an awesome message on fathers. <laughs> so you just make sure you're here <laughs> because we need both. But it's really interesting to think about Jochebed and, and what she would have been feeling or thinking during that time. Man, what wisdom she had when she put that baby into the Nile River. She knew exactly where to place that baby because she knew that the princess came and bathed there. She had done her research to know that that baby would not stay there very long before someone came by. And she knew that Moses was special enough that that princess wouldn't have gone, well, we just need to drown that baby. There was something about that child that drew her to him, right? Because it would have been her father who would have put the decree in place that said that he should have been destroyed. But there was favor on his life. And the mom recognized the favor on his life. And she knew that he needed to live. And if she had not, if she had not known that, Moses became the deliverer of the people of Israel. And it's very interesting to think that now Jochebed was going to be paid to nurse her child. That she didn't have to, she had to take the risk of being obedient to what God was asking her to do, to put that baby in the Nile so that it could live. And she had to prepare all that. But there's Miriam, the sister, standing there, just so happens, to talk to that princess and to be like, I could find you a Hebrew woman to nurse that baby for you. 
Just think of all of the process that went into place for this to take to happen. And so, of course, how wonderful it is that Jochebed doesn't lose her son, but she actually gains him. And Wade and I have talked about this before, but the fact that Moses really understood Hebrew custom and Hebrew law, although he was raised as an Egyptian prince. But see, those first foundational years he got to spend with his mama in a Hebrew home. Isn't that interesting? So the seeds had already been planted in him. The preparation was already taking place for where he was going to go. But it took that mama knowing that she couldn't back down to what God had spoken. And there are many mamas in here that have fought for your own children. Are you fought for other children as women? I fight for children that are not my own, don't we? Because they need a voice. And that makes us a mama. And so I find Jochebed an inspiration because she was willing to go the distance. Mamas will go to any length for you. We will. We will. There is nothing that won't keep us from going. Just like Ken was saying about his mama, I've heard some of those stories. He was not easy. I mean, whew, drowned his own brother. I'm sorry, I just outed you, Ken. That one gets me, though. And that mama had to bring that boy back. That's crazy. There's nothing that a mama won't do for her children. Amazing. So I'm grateful for Jochebed. And I was thinking about um, a couple of other mamas. I was thinking about this sweet mama. And most of us know the story of Hannah. And she was married to Alkanai. I probably butchered that. But that's all right. Don't tell anybody. She was the mother of Samuel. But her womb was closed for a lot, a lot of years. And her husband had two wives. Penea was the other one. And she was fruitful. She was having babies. But Hannah could not. And she desperately wanted a child. She desperately wanted her own child. She'd even made a deal with God and said, you know, if you'll open my womb and allow me to have a child, I'll give it back to you. I'll give it back. Just let me have it. Wow. And so God did that. God filled her womb. She was able to have a child. His name was Samuel. And Samuel became a prophet, a prophet to the king and a prophet to the nations. And she did. She honored the Uh, commitment, the covenant that she had made to God. And when he was weaned, she took him to the temple and she left him there. And then if you know about Samuel's story, at some point he was in the king's house. And he began to hear God calling him. And he was just, God was, had already placed on him a mark for his life. And God knew what intention he had for him. 
And Hannah, who was obedient in the beginning, paved the way for Samuel to then step into who he was. Had she not been willing to follow through on what she had committed to God that she would do, then what would have happened to Samuel? But at a young age, he, he said, here I am, Lord, here I am, because God was calling him. So much so it would wake him up at, in the night, and he would think that it was somebody else talking to him. And so he would go ask, were you calling me? Nope, it wasn't me. And he'd go back to bed, and he'd hear it again, Samuel. And then he finally said, here I am. And there's a reason that we're all in this room today, and that's because of a mama. We all had a mama of one sort or the other because we have not gotten there yet, thank the Lord, to have come into this world in any other way but through the womb of a woman, which is a beautiful thing, an amazing thing. By our pure nature as a woman, we are life givers. By our design, it's a beautiful thing that God allowed us to do that, entrusted us to carry life inside of us. He designed our bodies intricately to be able to do that. Is it always easy? No. My pregnancies were no fun. (laughs) That might be why we just have two. So we all, and we all have a very unique story, but by our, our design, God created us as life givers. And so today we get to honor that. And our struggles through that process and those things. And my poor husband, when Sophie was about four years old and we were, I'm so sick, so sick. I just have to say this, so sick when I'm pregnant. With both of my children, they are beautiful. Look at them, amazing creatures. I'm so blessed, so blessed. And they both carry such purpose. My son's on sound and my daughter's up here on the front row. I am a blessed woman. My children are the cream of the crop. I'll put them up next to yours in any situation. (laughs) I think our children need to know that we're their biggest cheerleader. And I think that when my kids walk into the room, they need to know I'm happy they're there and that they know that they're welcome there and that they always have a place with me. And that's extremely important for me to let them know that because this world can be a hard place and they're going to get beat up and knocked around enough outside of my home. But the mandate on my life is to let them know that I'm cheering them on. And so if you're a mom today and maybe that's not been the experience for you, today is a new day. And no matter what kind of mother you had, maybe they didn't give you the tools that you needed to be the kind of mom that you want to be, but God. And he gives us incredible tools. It's right here. And what he leads me to do and how he's led me And my husband, to raise our children may not be the path that he's chosen for you. But don't become bewildered or upset or think that it's too late. Or maybe you feel like your kids are already grown and you made a mess of that situation. And if you could do it over, you would change the way that you did it. It's not too late. 
because there really is power in prayer. Right, Linda? And we don't have to be discouraged because we have hope of the hope of glory. And we can see those things shifted and turned around. And maybe you're the product of a mother that was ill-equipped to raise you. And you've been banged up and bruised up from that. And maybe your mama was a mean mama. There's some mean mamas in the Bible. I was just thinking about Rebecca. And maybe by her, I mean, I carry her name. (laughs) My daughter carries her name. And it means thing of beauty. So she was lovely on the outside. But man, she convinced Jacob to trick his father so that he could take the birthright of his brother who had surrendered it. But I'm just thinking if that mama, and I'm trying to give her credit, you know, but let's just talk about it a minute. (laughs) But if that mama would have said, that's not a good idea. If she would have encouraged Esau to take his place, then maybe Jacob, she would not have, Esau would have been able to stand up for who he was. And she would not have encouraged Jacob to then trick his father in order to give him the birthright. I'm not real happy with Rebecca. Maybe someday I'll get to have a full conversation with her. And I haven't read about her history. Maybe she came from a family of of people that were dishonest. Maybe her upbringing was not, she didn't have the tools that she needed to impart into her children. And you know what's amazing is that Jacob ended up giving, he didn't give birth, but he sowed the seed that produced the 12 tribes of Israel. As a matter of fact, his name change became Israel. And that's amazing. So it doesn't matter what it looks like, what you've walked through, what you've experienced, whether as a mother or from your mother but to know that God still turns those things around for our good. And that he doesn't leave us the way he found us. That there is hope and glory. Even though Rebecca didn't have the tools, we'll just say she just was ill-equipped. She's not bad. (laughs) She just didn't have the tools that she needed. And let's just know that she found her way. And so... Anyway, so if you had a mean mama, hang in there. Hang in there because God can turn your situation around. And you don't have to reproduce that fruit in your children or in your grandchildren. But that we can stop all those things right here. And it can look different going ahead for you and your children. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about I'm, I call her a little mama. <laughs> I don't know how little she is, but she just thought so little of herself late in life. And I want to talk to you about Naomi. I think this is so, you know, Naomi lost her sons. They all, they passed. And that left her with these two daughters-in-law. And she didn't know what to do with them. And like I already said, in Jewish custom, women's, women didn't have any rights. She couldn't own any land. She 
didn't know what to do with herself. She was a widow. She was by herself, and she had no male children to help take care of her because that's what would have happened. And she was at such an age that she's like, I'm just going to go home. I don't know what else to do. And so she tells her two daughter-in-law, she says, you guys just need to go back to your homes. I can't do anything for you. I have nothing to give you. You just need to go back to where you came from. I don't have any sons for you. I have nothing to offer you. And so one of them did, Orpah. She went back to her home. She traveled with her a while, but then she's like, yeah, you're right. I'm just going to go on. I think this is going to be better for me. But Ruth hung around with her and went back. And Ruth ends up finding her Boaz. And most women are very familiar with this story because we have lots of women's conferences about it. And it's a great story. We, we have mentorship programs, you know, called the Naomi and Ruth mentorship programs and all those things because it really is a beautiful thing. But, you know, the interesting part about this story is it was Ruth's dedication that brought out the mama and Naomi because Ruth wasn't willing to leave her. Naomi felt like she was done. She said, I have nothing. I'm going back, and I hope my family takes me in because, well, that's Jewish custom, and surely they won't leave me out. But she didn't have anything, and she was pouring into Ruth, and she was trying to encourage her, you know, go to these fields, and this is where you can find Weed and 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 they'll they'll leave the they call it the gleanings they'll leave the gleanings in the field and so you can go out there and you can get that and and scrape it in and then maybe you'll meet a man because that was the hope you know a woman needed the hope of finding a man because outside of that she didn't really have any authority or any purpose and so God did send a savior along for her for Ruth and that became her Boaz and and so. Ruth had to kind of push through that feeling of Naomi being like, ah, you should just go to your family, you know, because I don't have anything for you. I, I'm done. And I think some mamas, some women, we feel like that, especially in the church. You know, we feel like, ah, I've already had my heyday. I don't really have anything to offer. But it's so not true because the church is full of a bunch of Ruths just looking for a Naomi that's going to allow her to stick by her. And to become a spiritual daughter to her. And I think it's a really beautiful, I pulled up this passage because at some point in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, it says this. This is Ruth now. This is not Naomi saying this to Ruth. This is Ruth making a declaration to Naomi. Naomi, who has not been very full of hope, and she feels like she's done, has this young woman turn to her and say, but Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. And if you look at verse 15, uh, just previous to that, uh, 
Naomi is saying to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth was like, I'm not leaving you. There is something that you have that I need. And I am committed to stay with you because I want to walk with you. I want to be a part of you. And so we have, if, you're, if you feel like a Naomi in this room, I can just look around the room. There are many Ruths just wanting someone that will allow them to make a covenant like that and say, I want to go where you go. I've watched you. I've seen where you've walked. I've seen what you've gone through. And I commit to walking with you. Does that look like what the world says it should? Is that a normal thing that we see modeled in our culture? It is not. But that's the way we begin to see lives transformed. Is when we commit to being and walking with people. If we want to see our children and the next generation change as women and as mothers, then we've got to be willing to walk with people through the hard stuff, the ugly stuff, the really ugly stuff, and the times where we even feel pushed away and our heart hurts. We have to be willing to love again, to love again, to not withhold. If Daryl were up here, he could quote us the love chapter. But I have a real soft spot for Naomi because I've heard it said, what does God have? I feel like I've, he's done. He's not done. He's not done. Just look. Before you know it, you, there'll be these Ruths that'll be around you. And they're there because you have something that you can give them. And you may think, well, I'm in no condition to pour into anybody. But you do. You have a story and a life lived. You have a heart for God and a passion and a zeal for him. And these other women need that. They need it desperately because they may come from a situation that their mama was a mean mama or a young mama and didn't quite have the tools that they needed. And maybe they're a young mama right now and you've already raised your children and they just need to know, how did you do it? I just want to run away sometime. How did you not? <laughs> I love them, but I want to squeeze their little heads off. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> because one of the sayings that, uh, that I've picked up over the years is the days are long, but the years are fast. Sometimes you think, is nap time ever going to get here? <laughs> like, if nap time doesn't show up, I don't know. But to have a Naomi to reach out to, to encourage you, even if they may not hold all the answers, but just let you know today is hard, but tomorrow may not be. And I know that it may feel like everything is upside down and things are not moving the way it's supposed to and you're at frustrated with your spouse. And I pray that you have one that is able to walk with you. And if not, we're going to pray about that too. But until then, God is going to step in as a good husband. And he's faithful. And you don't have to worry about him being dishonest or 
cheating on you or hurting you because he's good and he's faithful and he's just. And he'll be right there with you. And he'll walk with you. Because he's so good like that. And we have to learn to love each other for real in the good times and in the bad times. And we can celebrate with each other when it's going really well, but we also need to be open to help encourage when it's not. And it's not about judging. And sometimes there is a place for correction. And as a young woman, as a young mama, you need to open yourself up to that and allow that to take place. Because there's a Naomi's all around you that have a world of wisdom, of godly wisdom, that they can use to encourage you. And we don't need to be ashamed about the struggle because it is hard. My son was like, he is still steady Eddie. That's Sophie is strong-willed. Fireball. Anybody know her? Y'all seen her? She is? Yeah, she is. Nate, man, he's got a depth of understanding and a wisdom that flows out of him. But if I had raised them both identically the same, I would not have, we would not have seen the fruit of what we have seen, the individuality of who they are. Nathaniel slept through the night at eight weeks, 8.30 to 8.30. Woo! That's how we got another one. <laughs> she didn't sleep for seven years. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. <laughs> but they're completely different. They're completely different. And God entrusted them to me and to Wade. And so when I didn't know what to do, because there were many times I didn't, I just followed God. When everybody around me was making decisions and rearing their children, maybe in a way that I didn't think was the way that God wanted us to raise our children, we chose a different path. It wasn't always easy. My poor kids, honestly, like, they're great. But, you know, we just didn't choose the common way. We just didn't. But that's okay. Because I'm at this part of the, I, I, I kind of call it a great experiment. <laughs> and you just get down the road and you're like, well, let's just see how this turns out. We're just going to follow God. Anybody live their life like that? Let's, let's just follow God. Let's just pray and ask God for the wisdom of how he wants us to raise our family and follow him in spirit and truth. And see what that produces. And I'm pretty proud of what's coming out. You know, what really happens is when we really know what's in us and people around us when we begin to get pressed and squeezed. Because when we're in a pressure situation, then we really get to see what kind of oil seeps out. And that's usually what's based on, that's based on what's on the inside, what's been put in there. And we typically face more struggles than we face victories. 
Because it's through the process that we're refined, right? We talk about that a lot here. But it is through the process that God refines us. God used my children to, like, clean me up. I used to, I've always loved music. And this is just part of my walk, so take it if it's for you. And if it ain't, just let it go. But I remember the first time, (laughs) it's going to age me just a minute, Nathaniel goes over to the cassette tape. (laughs) Maybe it was a CD. Let's say it was a CD. (laughs) That feels better. He's like, Mama, what's this one? And I thought, oh, I don't want my three-year-old to listen to that. And then that still small voice says, should you be listening to that? And I thought, you're right, I should not. We're going to pack those up, get rid of them. So, all of that to say, God created man and woman. And moms are a gift. And no matter what kind of season you've had, I think, Lucas, you can come to the piano. I'd just love some background music. And I know the testimonies of some of you all. And I look out there now, and, and I see your faces, and I've heard your stories, and I know where you've walked, and I'm cheering you on. When my mom passed, that's the first thing I noticed. Like, I could sense it in the spirit so heavy that my cheerleader had left. But he sent others along in many different forms in my life. Sometime in a male form, I had this one big old dude that God brought into our life. And he would sit at the table and he'd say things to me like, you're like Cinderella. Who says that? I'm not. But he would just say the silliest things that, that my mama would have said. You know, to just let me feel like a little girl. And so we don't always get in the package that we want what we want. Does that make sense? But God will send other people along to nourish that part of our spirit. And he's become like a brother to me. A brother from another mother. And he still dodes on me and tells me. I don't talk to him very often. But when I do, he reminds me of who I am. And that's a beautiful thing. Don't overlook those people that God has placed around you to do that for you. To encourage you and spur you on. Mamas come in all shapes and sizes. And we all need one. (laughs) We all need a mama in our life. And I know that this house is full of women that love to love people. I have seen you all love people that are not easy to love. I have watched you when your flesh told you, I don't like that one bit, but I'm going to go over there and I'm going to love that person. Outside of yourself and in the spirit, I've watched you do it. 
I've heard the stories that you have shared and the ache and the pain of wondering what you're going to do about your children's situation. And it feels like in the moment that's insurmountable, whether they're grown or small. They're facing challenges that the mama heart just rips apart because you want to see something different. I've heard the stories and I've listened to you talk about the mom that didn't do the things that she should have done to produce in you what should have been produced. But I've seen in spite of that, the fruit, and as you're pressed and squeezed, the oil that's coming out is good stuff. It's pure and it's good because you're receiving from a source that's life-giving, which is the Father. You know, there's this um, riddle, talks about this guy, you guys have probably heard it, he's in the ocean, he's shipwrecked or something, and he's waiting for God to send along help, you know, to come save him. He said, I'm waiting for God to save me, and a boat comes by, and they say, can we help you? And he's like, no, God will save me, God will get it. Helicopter comes and says, you know, can I help you? He's like, no, God will get it. God's got me, he's coming. God, I'm going to, this is revolutionary for you right here. God uses people. He'll use people if you'll allow him to. And they'll bring life to you. Proverbs talks so much about wise counsel. And do we need to be careful and find safe people? We absolutely do. But you can trust that the Spirit will lead you in that area. And the one thing that the enemy will want to do is if we've not had such a great experience is he'll want to create separation where we don't trust people. And we don't want to have relationship with them because it's been, it hurts. It hurts. And our flesh says, I don't want to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. Be careful when you say things like that. But I've found in my own life as if I withhold love, if I withhold from people, I'm not going to see in them what I know God has designed me to see in them and help pull out. Does it mean that it doesn't feel good all the time? Yeah. Does it mean that when I see people struggle, it doesn't hurt? It doesn't make my heart ache. It does. But I know that I'm a representation of God. And just like him, he's not there to hit you over the head when you make a mistake. With a mallet or a hammer. But he's there to lift you up. Dust you off. Does it hurt his heart? Absolutely. He hurts, but he knows. He knows that a better day is coming and that there's going to be a turnaround and that things are going to be different. And so he's going to course correct us as a good parent does. Correction. Correction is a good thing, and we need to open our life to receive correction. Do you have those people in your life? A good mama that's willing to speak correction to you. 
I have those people in my life that I'm willing to receive correction from. It doesn't feel good ever. Ever, ever. But it's good for me when it's done in love. And when it's done with the right heart. When it's not done out of manipulation or malice. But it's done to see me grow into change. Will you stand with me? I feel like I've just poured out my mama heart to you this morning. (laughs) So on this Mother's Day, as we look and we reflect, and there are things that we can... uh, that we can look at and we can think. I wish I would have, wish they would have, I wish it was, all the wishing. I think one of the things that we can look at these examples in Scripture and we can realize that God has sent people all around us to pour into our lives. And that if the enemy is trying to isolate, if you feel isolated, I should back up and say, if isolation is what you're sensing, it's probably the enemy. Because he likes to pick us off. If he can separate us from the group, if he can separate us out, then we're easier to pick off. Have you guys ever watched National Geographic? You don't want to be that antelope or hyena or whatever. You don't want to be that one. I can't even watch. It's horrible. I can't even watch. But you don't want to be that one. Find a place. Find people that you trust. Ask God to send those people into your life that's going to pour into you. And it's going to love you into the direction that he wants you to walk. And then begin to watch the fruit of your life begin to manifest. Commit yourself in relationship. Commit yourself in relationship. There are mamas all in this room. And daddies. And I think until the church starts to really model that. We're not going to see the fruit that we could see in the kingdom. But I think this is maybe um, laying a foundation for where Wade will probably take us next month. But the significance and the importance of mothers and fathers in the kingdom. And how important it is to have those. Doesn't matter my age, whether I'm younger than you or older than you. But it does matter about wisdom and understanding. When I look around this room at the mamas, just take a little look around. We have many generations. We have mamas of all shapes and sizes. Big mamas, little mamas, young mamas and old mamas, short mamas and tall mamas, sweet mamas and mean mamas. (laughs) They're probably all represented in this room today. But I honor you today. I honor you as women of God, full of destiny and purpose. And God's not finished with a single one of you. 
doesn't matter what the heyday was before. He's got things for you to do now. And there are people that are, need what you have to bring. So can we just, I just would love for us to just bless all the women in the room. Would you all just make your way to the front? And then can we just, men, can you just gather around those women? Can y'all just, y'all know y'all like to huddle up. We like to be in groups. I call them a cuddle huddle. Let's just come on up here. And I have no doubt that many of you have different feelings today. You're all over. The gamut is being ran today of emotions, of happiness and sadness and joy and confusion and all of the things. But I want you to know that you are important to the kingdom of God. And that he designed you intricately and specifically for purpose and destiny. And I just hope he squeezes us so tight that everything on the inside of us blows out. All that good oil that we allow him to put on the inside of us. And I honor you and I bless you. And I'd go into a battle with any of you. Because I know we win. We might get knocked down. But we win. So would you guys just... Well, if Kathy were in here, she'd tell us to link arms. So can we just link arms? Come on, girls. Men, if you'll just come behind and around. Y'all step forward just a little. Because they can't get in because their chair's back there. You know, we are one body. And in Scripture, we want to separate. You know, in, in the kingdom of God, we want to separate. We want to find all of our differences. We want to know why we, we aren't meant to be together. When it says he just knits us together, just like he makes us in our mother's womb, we're knitted together there. We are one body, one body, one body made up of many parts. And you all have a part to play that is so important to the kingdom of God. And into the lives of the people that are around you. Into the women that are around you. You are people of influence. You are. And whenever you feel alone, look at this. Look at this. You are beautiful. Brian, you're so proud. He's like proud papa standing there. These men, they love you. And support, we support each other. So I'm going to pray. Would you guys pray for each other as well? Let's just bless the women of the house, the mamas of the house, every single one of you. Father, I bless these mamas today. I bless these women of God that you created, that you formed out of the dust of the earth, that you found intricate value in, that you entrusted us to carry life inside of our bodies. I speak life over them in Jesus' name. Every uh, lie that has been spoken over them, I come against those lies and I speak life in the name of Jesus. I declare life in Jesus' name. Life in Jesus' name. Life in Jesus' name. I come against lies of the enemy that would tell them that they have failed or that they, all the negative talk, we shut it down today. 
And we declare life in Jesus' name. Let life come forth. Father, just saturate them. Abba, Father, just saturate them with the love of God. And on the days when it's such a struggle, when they're rearing and running and, and going and... We just ask for the breath of God to blow in in those moments and that an increase in grace will come forth. And that they'll remember that they are not walking alone, but that there's this army of mighty women that are around them to help spur them on. I thank you for the men of this house that encourage and spark the gifting on the inside of each one of these women. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Every Naomi, every Jochebed, every Hannah, every Mary, every Rebecca. We bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.